Hola primo and primas, welcome to the next episode of the Puro Pinche Primos podcast. I'm your primo, Luis Velasquez. That's your other primo, Christopher Costello. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. Chris. How's it going? Chris. Como esta primo? Go. Spurs. Go. Go. Spurs. Spurs. Go. 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 Spurs. Go. 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 Spurs. Go. Go. Spurs. Go. In case you missed it, the Los Angeles Lakers are no longer playoff bound. Isn't that such because a beautiful Because the San Antonio statement. Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs, Los Spurs are the 10th seat. That's right. And we're proud of it. I can't believe how proud I am. I'm so proud. I've never been prouder to be 10th ever in my life. Right? <laughs> it feels so great. And I don't know if it's because we're in the play-in or because that because we're in the play-in, the Lakers are out. I don't really definitely care. the second part. Definitely the second. part. You know part. what? If if we were in San Antonio, I would be going to Valero <laughs> to get my free coffee that I would never drink. I love that our San Antonio celebration is to go to a gas station. To, to celebrate being 10. That's that's like a, that's <laughs> we would a victory lap. I would do it. I don't even know if they're still doing that over there. But I would just go to Valero and ask for my free coffee because we deserve it. All right. We, we could just be driving around a all, right all around the city and people would know us up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what's up, man? How's your day been, man? How you been? It was good. It was good. Just, uh, you know, it's busy. Busy life. How was yours, man? How's everything going with you? Oh, man, I've had a, a, a crazy day today. So one thing that nobody ever tells you about when you're growing up <laughs> is having to do some of this adult. Like, I had to deal with insurance companies today. Yeah, that's not good. No, man, I had to call this person, and this person told me to call this person, and then this person to call me to go call that person again. And I'm like, let me. it was just crazy. I got such a big headache. I never, I'm 40 years old, right? And I've never felt more of an adult than I did today having to just figure, literally, bro, literally. I spent eight hours a day back and forth trying to figure out this insurance stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Brought me down, you know. But I'm glad to be on the show. This is about to turn my day around. Okay. Yeah, we we gotta we, we gotta spin it. We gotta spin it. We gotta get back into that groove and um and make good things happen. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you want to get into it? Let's do it. Uh, just the final four in general. Okay, uh, I think both women's and men's side like it's back. Right, final four is back. The tournament was awesome this year on both ends. Yeah. But when we talk about the women's championship which i like to talk about because i was well more into the women's tournament than i was the men uh south carolina yukon yeah you can't write a better script uh for finals okay but south carolina and i told you when the when the when the tournament started like nobody yeah, is did. gonna mess with this team right yeah you did I said, from you the beginning, like nobody has got anything for south carolina and yukon yeah. had nothing for south carolina they oh. were getting blasted from the beginning, UConn started out four for nine from the field. They had a ton of turnovers, right? Destiny Henderson, who is a baller at point guard, was working Paige Bukers, your girl, 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to watch. That's what I was going for. Working her, right? Paige Vickers had, I think it was 14 points. He was six for 13. It's it's that's an okay game, but it's not a Paige Bukers game, right? Yeah, no, it is not. Paige exactly. Bukers, if you have not watched Paige Bukers, watch her shot. To me, she got the smoothest shot in college basketball. Not the longest shot that go to Caitlin Clark, but the smoothest. But when I watch Paige Bukers, I'm I'm inspired. It makes me want to go. Yeah, out and absolutely. Shoot. If she was healthy all year, I think it would be no doubt that she would have won Player of the Year. She's just that type of player. Uh, but I mean, UConn just struggled, man. They were getting they they couldn't rebound. Bro, they couldn't rebound for nothing. South Carolina, okay, had 21 of a possible 39 offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounds. Yeah, okay. that can't let that happen. The, the tournament MVP, like Boston, man, she was just, she killed. She had 11 points, 15 rebounds, three assists. I mean, she was all over the place. She won MVP. She's coming back next year. Like this team, Destiny Henderson, who we were just talking about, she, she put up 26 points. I mean. Yeah, which is insane to me in college basketball, period, let alone women's college basketball, to put up 26 is insane. Yeah, it is. It is. And she's going to go off into the draft, Destiny Henderson is. Um, to me, this game was a passing of the torch, right? UConn, for, for decades, decades, has been the number yeah. one team in, in women's college basketball, right? For yeah. decades. And I think that this team, this South Carolina is coming for that title, right? They they almost won the title last year. They won it this year. Most of their players are coming back next year. Their their best player, like Boston, is coming back for another year. Like I don't I, I think again it's gonna be a dominating performance next year for South Carolina. Right. And I just how, how long how long do you think before their coach goes to WNBA. Nah, she's not gonna go. She's not gonna go. <laughs> she's not gonna go. They're paying her way she's too much money in South College Carolina. basketball coach life out there. Yeah, she's 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 gonna pay way too much money. And you gotta think and then in women's I college basketball, that. like to me the the college basketball game is bigger here in America than the WNBA. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yep. UConn is bigger than any team. Yeah. Yeah. In great the point. WNBA, yeah. right? I think the WNBA is coming up, right? I absolutely. I'm here for WNBA. I'm a, I'm a newly found Las Vegas fan. Okay. Now yeah, exactly. Got, we got to go check uh, Becky Hammond. Yeah. Nothing now that our girl is going to be coaching over there, right? But WNBA, but for 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 decades and decades, the top of the tier has been college basketball, and I think she's going to stay there. And, and they're paying her a, a shit ton of money already. Yeah. Right, just a yeah. shit ton of money. So um, it was great. It was great to me. It was great to me. I loved it. I love the women's college. I think next year is it's crazy. To me, the, the reason why I love women's college basketball more than men's college basketball because I know the players, right? I know the players. <laughs> I know they're going to come back next year. You got Leah Boston, exactly. South Carolina. You got Paige Bukers we talked about. It's gonna be back for UConn. You got uh Haley Jones from Stanford coming back. They got a number one recruit that's coming in, Lauren Betts. You got Caitlin Clark from Iowa, who is yeah. like the the Steph Curry of the college basketball game. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm thank excited. you again for putting me on to Caitlin Clark. What's that? I, I got a like, thank you again for putting me on to oh, Caitlin yeah, yeah, Clark. Yeah. I got a, a coworker who is actually from Iowa. Uh, shout out Lisa Kobe. Um, 
but she she was a basketball oh. player in high school. She actually showed me this picture of her when when she was in high school, um, like in her local paper, like her putting up a shot. I remember there was this kid that she had an issue with uh, at work who who he loved basketball, and she showed him that that newspaper clipping. And this kid listened to anything she said after that, which was a beautiful <laughs> thing. But she's from Iowa, and I was—I remember bringing up to her. I was like, "You've been watching college basketball?" And she was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Have you heard of Caitlin Clark?" And she was like, "No." And I was like, "She's from Iowa. You got to check her out." And she had been like, "Yeah, I'm just all I'm doing is watching North Carolina." And she—and that's she was like, "That's what I got my money on, Chris. North Carolina is going to take it." This is right before the Final Four started. She was like, "Who you think?" And I was like, "Well, I've always been like a Duke fan," and she was just like, "Nah." North Carolina is going to take them. And then when North Carolina beat Duke, I was like, oh, like Lisa Kobe, maybe no way more sports than I do over shit. But, you know, I think that takes us to like our men's side of like North Carolina, that victory, I am, I was stunned by their victory over Kansas. I think the, the Kansas no, team no. at half. North Carolina, you're talking about North Carolina over Duke. No, no, no. I'm talking about even in the in the in the final, um, that like North Carolina's like flopping of that of that game and being up was like I, I thought that they were gonna take that game. You know what I mean? And like the fact that Kansas came back and took them was like a shock to me because I thought that I thought they had them. Like I was at the half, I was like, damn, like like that? Like I, I can't believe that like well, the women's game was like a, a, a such a blowout. Like I didn't imagine that the men's game would be, and so I thought like it was over at the half. And yeah, I thought so too. I think for Kansas to come back, they were down. I think it was like fifteen at the half, right? They uh, North Carolina. To me, look, North Carolina's championship was was the game before against Duke. Yeah, and that's what I kind of figured. I was surprised when they came out so strong early in the championship game. I thought North Carolina was just going to shit the bed because they were just happy that they beat Duke, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you thought that was it? I thought that was like, 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 that's that's their champion. (laughs) And that still may be their championship, right? They they still, I mean, they're going to hold that. You know how rivalries go. Like, I will take take a a Longhorn win over Oklahoma, (laughs) right, over, like, a Big 12 championship. Like, no, like, for real. Like, I don't care. Like, as long as we beat Oklahoma that year. So, I thought they were going to shoot the bed. But then Kansas came back. And I don't even think it's Kansas that came back in that game. I think North Carolina just, like, they were out. They yeah. they only played, like, six players. Yeah, showed, yeah, yeah. Right? They were just tired. I think they shot, like, 31% from the field. It was horrible. It, at basketball, basketball yeah. wise, that game was was crappy. Like nobody could shoot, nobody could do the the the, yeah. the saving grace was that they were both sucking, and so it kept it was close, right? They're like, you miss, you miss, you miss, you miss. I made a shot. I made a shot. You miss, you miss. Which which that's always been my argument with you with with regards to college basketball and like why I'm hesitant to watch it and actually like the women's game so much better but it's just so many mistakes of of guys like the talent level and like the game just feels like feels robotic in certain ways and then like there's so many misses yeah. and so many turnovers that well, feel like well you gotta think that these guys these guys are still learning basketball right and with yeah, this, with yeah. this one and done like they don't 
They don't get a chance to learn basketball in college anymore. And it's great. Yeah. Like, these two teams here, they don't have a one and done on their team. Yeah. Right? They all sophomore, juniors, seniors. Um, but they're still learning. And which is, again, a reason I, why I like the, the women's game much much more than the men's game is because you can see them grow up. You can see Paige Beckers as a freshman and how she looks as a sophomore. Yeah. And how she's going to grow yeah. to a junior. And they're like, man, I can't wait until she gets to the league and see what she does against those people. Like, these guys, like, I don't I don't know. I wish. I think, yeah, you can tell the difference between the guys that are going to the league and the guys that are not, right? Yeah. It's, like, very clear in those. Um, I, I think, yeah, one of the things, too, I want to just bring up around, like, that, like, learning basketball is, um, is, is just the end of Coach K's career. Yeah. Um, and just like kind of the fact that that, you know, for me, Duke was always kind of like the the epitome of like what it is to learn basketball. And they were just in such a structured way. But also, I think, you know, at least for me, Coach K's legacy with regards to Duke is just that, like, I can't think of any other league level team that when you think about success and like that they have a shot at winning the whole thing who consistently for longer has ever done that. I would love to say the Spurs, but I feel like Duke has even been more consistent than the Spurs when it comes to like having a shot of winning it all. And, um, and I think to me, that's like such a, a major testament to coach K and the ways in which like he's mentored. And then obviously I think for me, for him was just like when he became team USA coach was like, damn, like coach K got it like that. Like that he's like now telling Kobe and LeBron what to do. Like right. that was and, amazing. And the fact that even these, these players that never played, played for him had so much respect for him already. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Kobe had yeah. a lot of respect for him. LeBron was yep. like, so respectful and wanted to play under him. Like, Coach K demands that respect. I don't, there is a lot of hate out there for for Coach K, and I kind of get it. Yeah, I kind of get it. It's the same like hate that we have for the Patriots. The yep. same hate that we have. But I'm gonna say this though: the Patriots cheat, so that's different. Well, we know the Patriots cheat. What that mean? Doesn't everybody? But. Patriots do it in a way that we as, know. As, so, as a Nationals fan, I can't say anything about that. Yeah, no, you should not. You should stay very quiet. We're going to get to them later. We'll talk about them a lot later. Uh, um, I think the last thing for us for, for college basketball, I think, you know, we talk about just like we brought up the current events at the beginning, the, like, the serious points of sports. We talked about Deshaun Watson before and, and just kind of the ways in sports stretches beyond just like the game is uh, the way that like, NCAA disparity of how it treats its players with regards to the men and women's game. Right. And, um, and I think it, it got the microscope got put on this in our hometown of San Antonio when they have video footage of like the women's workout facility in San Antonio for the NCAA final four for the women's final four. Um, And they showed just kind of like how bare bones it was that even to the point where the, the San Antonio YMCA stepped in to like <laughs> donate and make it better. But like, it's like, damn, how bad do you have to be or how lazy do you have to be in supplying the women's game with the proper facilities that, that a local YMCA has to yeah. step in and do your job for you? Tell them, man, because the stuff you dropped on me was like, I was shocked. Yeah, so it goes, it goes even deeper. So 
So when you talk about that incident, they uh, they did an investigation. The NCAA actually hired somebody to do an investigation on them to just kind of, you know, give them a report on how different they treat women's and men's sports. And so what came out to me was crazy as as a Final Four team, as a Final Four team, the men's get uh, $10 million for their conference. Right, so Kansas gets ten million dollars for the Big Twelve, right? It, which the Big Twelve then distributes that out to the schools of the Big Twelve, right? Yeah. The women get nothing. They get yeah. zero. The men get ten million dollars, and the women get zero. So what that? America. Yeah. So what that in turns to is why would the school invest in the women's basketball program? If they're not exactly going to get right. any money out of it, right? Like, we're not stupid. Like, this is a business. This has always been a business. The NCAA has been a business. Um, but the fact that they didn't give them any, Like, South Carolina gets nothing literally but a trophy for winning the NCAA championship. We're not even going to go into comparing it to, like, the football numbers even. Yeah. Right? We're no, not no, even. No, we, that's beyond ridiculous, <laughs> right? We yeah. won't even go there. But the fact that the women get absolutely nothing right they've tried to to close the gap right with just a couple of band-aids so like you said the the weight rooms now they make sure they have equal weight rooms the swag bags that each team gets in the in the tournament right they made them equal right they they said that the lounges that they have for for uh the families and stuff they made them you know equal right so they're putting all this like band-aids and stuff that you can see look here you're you're the same here look at look at the men's swag bag look at the men's hat and here's your hat right it's the same but then you dig down deep and you realize that you're still so far apart you're so far apart man i mean and how like uh and yeah it's like keep your iphone and your candies give you that 10 mil yeah exactly right like i don't need this crap and the fact and this I hate the argument that that the men's game a lot more people watch the men's game than they do the women's game because and that's why they their money is different, right? If you put the same amount of money that you put into the men's game that you put into the women's game, of course, more people are going to watch it. Yeah. Right when you have to search like crazy to find a women's basketball game, and you don't like, you're out here and you turn on the the, the TV and Rutgers versus Maryland is on. Yeah, I think you got to go and find like ESPN the Ocho. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to, to find invest, invest the same amount of money, maybe not the same, maybe half. If you yeah. invest half the amount of money. That you do for men into women. And you will see how big it is. It already is. WNBA is skyrocketing. I think the thing about it too, man, is that like when you look at it, the college kids, like hook them up. Give them the same gift bag. Give them the same facilities, right? And also like in filling the seats is like, what, they don't got families? Like you don't think all of the aunties and uncles are going to come to that game? You don't think that like you get any college kid to have any team from their school being anything and the kids aren't going to show up, like you're going to fill those seats, like give them the money that they deserve to be able to yeah. uphold those programs. 
and, and recruit more kids into the sport and give more scholarships and do all of those things that come with it. And, and to at least like give them a decent weight room, like, <laughs> you want them to like they let them work out. Man. Come on. NCAA. <laughs> we can say this about so many different things, but just be better NCAA. Yeah. All right. Treat the women in this programs oh, better. Can we please do that? Is that so much to ask? <laughs> so, I want to I want to change directions um, just because we uh, a bunch of different spots in that, but I think it's important, and I think that like thank you again for for teaching me on that because I didn't realize just how ruthless it was in the yeah. divide, particularly when you brought up that that argument about the ten mil. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week, right, is a big week in sports, particularly for for what we would call old heads, right? Mm-hmm. Because Major League Baseball is back. The yes, the, the sport that I first fell in love with as a kid, uh-huh. and to me the most like like old school, like go outside and just play it game Bro, more is, than football. This is the number one Latino sport, right? Yes, very <laughs> true. Is, we are Latino podcast. The number one Latino sport, baseball, so, and then soccer or soccer and then baseball. Well, we know soccer it is, but in, in the U.S., baseball, right? Baseball. Like, we, we talk about America's pastime, but we also know that, like, the NFL and football has taken over the U.S. But I wanted to go into just the list of, like, free agent signings uh-huh. Uh-huh. That occurred that really shifted, like, teams and, and make at least – we talk about getting people in the stands. We know these teams, right, or at least some of the ones on our list – definitely made signings not to get better but to at least at least get people in the seats right um but the place where i wanted to start because i thought this was like so interesting i remember bringing it to you when when this first happened was the dodgers so the first thing they they re-signed clayton kershaw right who's kind of been the face of the team for such a really long time which makes sense to to re-sign that guy right like squeeze out whatever juice you can get out of him for as long as possible um, and, and hopefully get him to retire as a Dodger. But the big signing to me, which I'm always like kind of really shocked at in baseball, um, particularly is when older guys get signed for really big deals. And the guy that they went and got was Freddie Freeman, which I thought was also just shocking that the Braves didn't keep him for the same reasons that I just said about Clayton Kershaw being like the face of the franchise. I don't know what you think about that with regards to like older guys in their like mid to like mid thirties getting really long deals. Listen, got like a listen deal. I mean, Tom Brady is the one that's messing this all up for everybody, right? <laughs> everybody looks at Tom Brady and like he's doing it at seventy five years old. I can <laughs> exactly. do it at thirty eight years old. Yeah, it's crazy. Freddie Freeman went there. He was like the heart and soul of the Atlanta Braves, who just won the World Series. Um, yeah. So the fact that they went, man. yeah, the, cold blood. <laughs> the fact that that he he left there and I mean he just he left to to a team that is already freaking great, right? They were already great without him. Yeah. They add him to the roster. They signed a a closer great Kimbrel. Like this team is going to be crazy. Yeah. Like just yeah. give them at least 100 wins already. Yeah. I think the thing, too, though, with like at least that we know from the years past is that just because the Dodgers on paper look terrifying does not mean they're going to win. Yeah. No. Because, you know, what's around the corner? And as I'm going to shift to the next, is there's always a cheater around the corner. There's always a cheater around the corner. We're still going to talk about that in forever. You know that the the last 
major league baseball game that I went to was actually an Astros game. And even going in there, I felt dirty. No, oh, come on. Dude. That's just me to hate on you. Which takes us to our next signing, which is the Minnesota Twins signing your boy, Puerto Rican Carlos Correa, for I believe it's three years, 105. I, they are not going to be any better, but he is going absolutely nuts in spring training. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Carlos Correa. Tell me your feelings about it. Uh, it hurts so much seeing him in the twenty. Like I was a number one Carlos Correa fan. He, I know, I know. Puerto That's Rico to the Astros number one pick. Like everybody talking shit about us cheating. He was like, "Fuck you! You don't know nothing, <laughs> right?" And he just, I love, I love Carlos Correa, and the fact that he left to the Minnesota Twins is crazy. To me, because nobody nobody thought he was going there. Like it was going to be either the yeah, Astros, no. it was either going to be the Yankees, the, the Mets, possibly. Yeah, the Mets, possibly. And all of a sudden, the yeah, Twins the came up. But you talk about the Twins, and I'm thinking, like, I, I too originally, I thought, man, what are the Twins doing here? Right? Like, why are they? Why are they? Doing <laughs> I think that's always the question. Yeah, but then I took a I took a deep dive into the roster. Mm-hmm. Right? They signed they signed a pitcher, Sonny Gray, which is going to elevate their their pitching staff. They have Byron Buxton, who is uh, in the outfield. He he was nice last year, and he can be a sneaky MVP candidate this year. Him or Correa can be MVP candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually think the Minnesota Twins may win the AL Central. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs. <laughs> they picked up uh, what's this guy's name? Gary Sanchez, right? Yeah, from the from the Yankees. Like they're they're doing some things that I originally yeah, I, when he went over there, I was like, what are they doing? But then, like I said, I took I took a deep dive into the lineup. They might be they might be trying to win this year. Interesting. That, but I I also don't think Correa is going to be there. Past nah, <laughs> I am not going to bet anything on the Minnesota Twins. All right. So, Back to where I'm at and who, like, damn, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but who I might actually be a bigger fan of now, this might actually be my team. Don't do it. Because of years spent in New York City. Don't do it. But the New York Mets, (sighs) which I believe is also, was your dad's favorite team. It was. Right? Which I remember as a kid being like, yo, what? Why would this man root for the Mets? But they loaded up, man. Like, they were like, which... That owner, I love the fact that this guy is a fan of the actual team and is out there to be like, yeah, let's just try to win. Let me spend money on people that I think are going to make the team better. They picked up Scherzer, which is insane. Like, the, I was shocked that they got him. I can't believe that he went there. And, like, anywhere that that guy is pitching, I want to watch. Like, I want to see the game that that guy is pitching. They picked up Bassett from the Oakland A's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they also got Starling Marte, yeah. which I didn't even realize until this week when I saw him doing an interview. And I was like, wait, they picked up this guy, too, who's older again. Like I mentioned before, he's in his mid 30s or early 30s, right. but is coming off of productive years. So while they may not be the most impressive, they also still have and hopefully comes off of injury really quickly. My favorite pitcher in the entire game, which is DeGrom. Like, oh, he, if DeGrom is anywhere, I want to see where that guy's pitching as well. Like, the fact that they have Scherzer DeGrom, oh, my God. DeGrom I can't wait. Already, I'm gonna last year, I was already questioning, like, is he the greatest pitcher ever? Right? Yeah, he is nasty. He made, his stuff is so crazy. But 
going back, like the Mets are still the Mets, bro. Like they still, I like, know. they still I feel uh, like somehow make the, all those players, all like, those players that you name. How many are on the injury list? <laughs> I know. Yeah, immediately once immediately, they get over, it's there. like I put on yeah. this uniform and all, oh, my shoulder hurts. Right, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. automatic. They're not. They're. They're a fun team on paper. I don't think they're going to do anything. They're, they're not going to be better than the Braves, right? I know they lost uh, yeah, Freddie yeah. Freeman. The Braves lost Freddie Freeman, but they signed Matt Olson, who is, who's yeah. probably going to be right up, like close to a Freddie Freeman. But they saved mm-hmm. so much money, the Braves did by saving him, that they were able to sign yep. Kenley Jansen as their closer. They got Colin McHugh from my Astros. I mean, Okuna's coming back. Okuna's coming back. Yep, like they're not yep, going to mess yep, with the Braves. Yeah, that's a big one. The Phillies also, they're like, they're still up there. They got Schwarber. They got Castellanos. Yep. I mean, I don't think the Mets are going to, they, they may have a productive season as far as wins from last year, but I don't think, like, they're not going to make the playoffs. I, you know what? I, 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 oh my God, I sound like a Mets fan. Yeah. And I'm already having, you just started. I don't know why I have hope. I, I am truly look. So now that makes it official that I have this like like empty hope. Like for whatever reason, I believe I'm a Met fan now. Like that that confirmed it. Damn, I'm I'm kind of mad at it. Now. Get Anyways, I'm crazy. <laughs> the the big signing I think that has come out is, is like the biggest story I guess of, of like one guy has been that Trevor Story deal from Boston. That Boston went and picked up. Trevor Story, um, which obviously is going to make them better. And yet that AL East is so kind of like shaky from year to year that you have no idea who's going to do what. Um, and all I care about is that it's not the Yankees because yeah, I hate absolutely. the Yankees, which again only adds to the fact that I might be a true full Mets fan. Met fan. I mean, I appreciate yeah. you being a Mets fan over a Yankee fan, right? Oh, yeah. No, never. Never. But here's what I'm going to tell you, Yankees fan. Okay. You are not better than the Red Sox this year. You're not better than the Rays this year. And you're going to lose the division to the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Yes, very true. The Toronto very. Blue Jays are crazy. They got Springer. They got Vlad Jr. They got Bichette. Hernandez had 30-plus home runs. They have like this, I think, behind the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers as the best lineup from top to bottom, and then it's the Toronto Blue Jays, right? They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. The Rays, the, like I said, the Rays, they have Wander Franco, who's probably going to go up for MVP this year. Like, Yankees, like, you just stay way back. Especially you, Cashman. You talking so much shit about my Astros, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I, I'm going I, to shit. I, I do not want to make this a Yankee segment because – Yankees fans are those types of people that live under the belief that, like, bad any press is good press. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say, like, down with the Yankees, and I will never ever be a Yankee fan. <laughs> my, I want to say this: my favorite signing of the off season because I think this team was just kind of like with the new DH rule was like they made a video game pickup was Nelson Cruz going to the Washington Nationals. Like, that was my favorite. I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, 
they have a DH now. Like they were just like, how do we get like the guy that just slug away? That was like, Nelson still like, playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's playing his thirtieth year in the league. I feel like with him, they're just gonna have him like hack away, and they'll have like a cart for him to sit on, and then they'll like wheel him to first base. Yeah, because this guy is a monster; he cannot move, and yet, like, that was the like big like video game signing to me. The last one, my former favorite team, the team that I grew up on, and then had to like kind of slowly get a distance myself from because they always make terrible decisions in, when it comes to free agency and never invest in pitching. Was the Texas Rangers, and they might now because. For I don't know how many years, the best middle infield in baseball was in Texas, but it was in Houston. And that no longer exists because your boy left. But Seeger and Semyon as the middle infield for the Texas Rangers on those big deals that they signed might now be the best middle infield in all of baseball. We will see because we know what happens when guys go to Texas. They may ball out and get have no pitching. And be able to just like flop the whole year, but it's the A Rockers. They they ruined baseball when they gave that man what is it three hundred and twenty five million dollars a year or whatever. Yeah, the the Rangers look good. Seager, like you said, Simeon. They got Garver. They got Calhoun. They got Pluth. They got all these guys. But what they don't have is pitching. Right, I'm not sure that their pitching is any better than me and you going out there and throwing the ball. (laughs) Okay, Rangers, you're still going to be at the bottom of the division. You know why? Because the one and only team, the Houston Astros, are in that division. And they are well above everybody else. Don't forget Jordan Alvarez. I know we lost Correa, okay? I, and that hurts. Like I said, it hurts me to the soul. But we still got Jordan Alvarez. We got Altuve, who's going to go for the MVP this year again. We got Bregman and Tucker and Yuli Gurriel. Talking about old dudes that are still balling. 38 years old. Out of nowhere last year wins the batting title. Verlander is coming back. Okay, We have a top three pitching rotation. We got a top five bullpen. The Astros got a top five lineup. We're replacing Correa with Jeremy Pena, who is going to be big. Jeremy Pena will be big. That is right, guys. The Houston Astros are still going to go to the World Series no matter what. You you can't take that away from us. I am hyped up for the season. The Houston Astros tell them. are going I'm to so the World up. Series. Tell them. Again. I'm so hyped that you brought that up and that you, you pitched the Astros in that way because that brings us to our next segment of cheating. Oh, made and the signal device that is now going to be used in the wrist of the pitchers all because of the Houston Astros. So thank you for setting that up so nicely to, to just bring up the fact that your organization is full of cheaters to the point that the game is now going to be completely changed from its beautiful natural being oh my to God. this robotic. God forbid baseball <laughs> comes to the 20th century, okay? God forbid. So, all, all jokes aside, from your team that you root for that are cheating, we're basically the New England Patriots of baseball. Um, how do you feel about these wrist devices that tell them? I got, I got a hilarious thing that I saw on ESPN about that, but I, I is it good about baseball? I appreciate baseball doing something different and coming into the 21st century, 
Okay. I Everybody really likes the manager to touch the nose, the ear, the chin, back to the nose, the ear. I really do like that. Like who? Like, duh, people are stealing those signs. If you're still going to show the signs <laughs> to the to the pitcher with fingers, duh, we're going to steal it. Everybody steals yeah. it. Matt, and I know you want to talk about the Astros and calling them Steelers, all right? But Chris Sale this week came out and said, no, he doesn't hold nothing against them because he knows for a fact that they weren't the only team that did it. Everybody did yeah. it. We just did it but better than everybody caught. else. You just can't. Did you? Yeah. Because you got caught. But we still got you the got World caught. Series. We hey, got caught. But that trophy asterisk. is still there. I still asterisk. jumped around that when they won, okay? I still have that moment. I was still won. jumping around like this. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And that's funny. The funny thing is, and it's one of I'm I'm cheering. This is what I remember from the World Series. I'm cheering. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And my wife was like, "What? Why are you saying let's go? You just won the World Series. You goed. You did it. Like what? <laughs> you went, boy. You won. What do you mean let's go? I was like, I don't know. That's just what we fans say. Okay. Yeah. We just say let's go. <laughs> we went. Okay. <laughs> it's the, the least amount of syllables to be hyped That's in. Right. It felt good. <laughs> I think my favorite part of of this whole thing and the coverage on it, I was watching ESPN and they were talking about the, the thing and they were describing it, right? And they had this like voiceover about it and they were like, um, that it tells you, right, the pitch. Like you, you have an audio device for pitchers too. And the example they gave, they were, they, they were like, this is what it would sound like. And they did, they were like, but they also have it in Spanish. And so they did the English one and they were like, change up. And <laughs> they were like, it's also for pictures available in Spanish. And you're like, cambio. <laughs> and I was like, yo, how stereotypical is this like Spanish version of how they're going to be like giving signs to God? It had me dying laughing. I was so on my is couch. it like Siri on there? Because Siri, yeah, exactly. Siri Their Siri is a very funny high-pitched Spanish-speaking person on there, but Siri I thought that was Siri me up great. whenever I have my AirPods in and and somebody sends me a text, especially if it's a text in Spanish, and she tries to say, <laughs> say it. Oh, man, yeah. there's nothing better. I crack up so hard. <laughs> so I'm just imagining Siri being in their ear. Yeah. It's like, Siri, shut the hell up already. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and going into that, right, like I think that, like, one of my favorite segments when we were trying to like craft this show um, is going into the grito um, every week, which is our basically for anybody that doesn't know what a grito is, or if you haven't been around enough Mexicans to ever hear a grito, um, which one of my boys, uh, Puerto Rican brother from New York, Anthony Morales, one of my fraternity brothers, former coworker, is great friend of mine. One time told me he was in Michigan. Right. Mm-hmm. And had no clue that there was this many Mexicans in Michigan and was at like some party all over. Bro. And everybody did a grito at the same time. And he was like, yo, I was shook, Chris. He's like, I thought some shit was about to go down. Like, I thought somebody was about to die. He was like, all these Mexicans made the same crazy noise at the same time. And so I was dying laughing. But he was like, and then he was like, I didn't know. But then that's when the party went off. This week's grito of the week. You would take the first one. But the grito of the week is our two special latinx people that we give shout outs to um each week we pick somebody new and we got some really really hyped up you already know me like i'm 
I'm so ready. I've I know, been ready. I know. So let me get mine out of the way. Okay, my <laughs> my grito of the week is Blanca Burns. Blanca Burns debuted as a referee for the for the NBA on December twenty seventh, two thousand twenty one. It was a it was a game between the Jazz and our San Antonio Spurs. And she went down in sports history as the first Mexican-born woman to do so. She was born in Torreon, the northern part of Mexico. Her family then moved up to El Paso, and then she later moved into Oklahoma. Blanca, she played basketball at every level in her school. Then took her, then went to college, a college at Mid-American Christian University in Oklahoma City as a point guard. It was there that she was first introduced to refereeing games when she decided to referee preschool games at YMCA to make ends meet. Blanca Focus then shifted from playing basketball to officiating games as a referee. She says her only goal was to make it a reality for other females who are also minorities who are going to come behind me. Blanca Burns, the first Mexican born woman to officiate the game that is putting it down in latino history i am very proud of you prima thank you again for representing us very well keep doing keep doing it soon she's gonna make this a full-time gig right now she's refereeing part-time she plans to next year be a full-time i can't wait to see her in the playoffs, and she's gonna be killing it yeah this story was crazy to me uh so dope so dope a Mexican-born person, let alone a woman in the league, is now refing these games and, yeah, and teeing funny. up people. I, I thought the most hilarious thing was seeing this, like, still image they had of her getting barked on by Greg Popovich. Yeah, and they, Pop which I was like, her first game. Like, Pop, like, he, he, did, <laughs> he didn't... He beat baptizers so bad in that game. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> um, our second grito of this week... Goes to, you already know, my favorite basketball player of all time, mm-hmm. right? Not just Latinx player, but my favorite basketball player ever. This dude will give you everything he's got on every single play, every single game. Diving for balls, grabbing rebounds over seven-footers, doing whatever he's got to do. Emmanuel Manu Ginobili. You, you yo, went Emmanuel. You went that. You went. Emmanuel. I, I had to go. I had to go full government. But yo, this dude is my man. Like this dude is inspired. Was like the guy that I seen was like, yo, this this guy is repping for like all of Latin America when he balls out. So, for anybody that doesn't know, Manu Ginobili was recently um, inducted for the class of 2022. Uh, basketball hall of fame which will take place on september 10th i will be there anybody that wants to come with me i'm gonna be there in springfield massachusetts on september 10th oh i'm going i'm going i already looked up how long it takes it takes two hours and 43 minutes i'm gonna be there (laughs) so manu ginobili is a four-time nba champion 030507 2014 six man of the year in 2008 one of only two players in history the other is bill bradley to win a Euro League title, an NBA championship, and an Olympic gold medal. Which to me, that Olympic gold medal is the biggest accomplishment of any player that I've ever seen in the league. 
He was the captain and leading scorer for the Argentinian Olympic team in 2004 that defeated the USA team um, that year in the semifinals. Uh, they were co-captains, which damn is kind of vicious. AI and his teammate at the time, Tim Duncan, um, under Coach Larry Brown that year with a young Melo, a young D-Wade, a young LeBron. In that game, Ginobili scored 29 points in the semifinal. And diced them um, up. Yeah, and Guys, beat the USA team 89 to 81. Um, I, I'll I'll end this like love fest on Manu Ginobili with what I love to tell people anytime that they argue or anytime that I get the like, how is Ginobili your favorite player of all time? Manu Ginobili is the most decorated Latino in the history of basketball. Absolutely. So that takes us to our next segment, right? Which I'm going to let you call it out because I feel like you say it better. And I just love the name. I think it's got to be the best title for a segment in any podcast ever. It is time. It is time, primos and primas, for the wheel. Wheel of Chingadera. The wheel of Chingadera. The wheel of Chingadera. Is a wheel of crap. Okay, there are a bunch, a bunch of sport topics out there that we obviously can't cover all together. So what we do is put it on this wheel of chingadera. We spin the wheel, whatever topic comes up, me and my primo Chris, we're going to talk about it real quick, a minute or two, and then move on to the next wheel of chingadera item. So here we go, Chris, for the first spin of the wheel of chingadera this week. It is landing on who won the trade between the 76ers and the Nets. So here we are getting toward the end of the NBA season. The big story midway through the season was this trade. The 76ers and the Nets. Harden and Simmons. Simmons hasn't played yet. Mm -hmm. Harden playing like trash. Who do you think? Harden being Harden. Yeah, Harden being Harden. Who do you think won that trade? So, on just like very simple principle of like having a guy on the floor, my take was that the 76ers won that trade. Simply because you got James Harden, who is already considered one of the greatest players of all time right in the mm -hmm. league and for what he does he's an mvp a former mvp um we know what he does I, I gotta go with the fact that like they at least got someone on the floor but more importantly we know that in in philly it's all about Embiid, and they finally got someone at least for now that Embiid actually likes in james harden and likes playing with so for that reason i say the 76ers do you know why Embiid likes them because it's not the playoffs yet. Okay? Very true. He likes Very it right now true. because it's not the playoffs yet. Because we all know that when the playoffs come, Harden is going to make as much an impact on the game as Simmons is on the bench. And for that reason, I'm going to say that the Nets win this trade by pure... Subtraction of James Harden. 
Yikes. Simmons, maybe he'll play next year. And then he we'll see what he's got. He's not gonna play this year, right? Nah. I don't think that even in the playoffs, like I don't think it's gonna come back. But the fact that Durant doesn't have to think that he's gonna be able to rely on him, right? The yep. fact that Kyrie Irvin is back now and they don't like Harden is just so hard to watch. And I don't know how we constantly, constantly forget what James Harden is, right? Yeah. Well, we don't, but everybody else Everybody does. else. Like how we, we know constantly who. forget how he was in Houston when he was the man, right? And he did nothing in the playoffs. Yeah. Even when he had Chris Paul, right? Yeah. Watching them at the 76ers, him and Embiid, it is horrible to watch. It is so like MB <laughs> gets to the line 30 times a game and then Harden gets to the line 27 times a game. It is yeah. so bad. It is so bad for basketball. Brooklyn Nets, you should just be happy that you got rid of Harden. Simmons eventually, I believe Simmons eventually will be a good number three for them. And gotcha. next year, if he can play next year, then you're going to see him again in the top of the top of the East. But just getting rid of Harden is an absolutely addition by subtraction. Yeah, I want to say one thing about anybody who loves Harden, and you're like listening to this, and you hate what we're saying. Shout out to Zach Lowe. Go look up Zach Lowe's ESPN article on James Harden in the clutch. He breaks down games from as far back as 2013 in the most clutch moments where Harden basically just disappears. Yeah. And the only time that he shows up in the playoffs is Yeah, absolutely. Like if you're if you're gonna contest us, if you're gonna be mad about it, then just freaking just turn the TV on. Watch him in the playoffs. Okay. Watch him in the playoffs, and then you'll See with your own eyes what Harden is. But let's go on. Let's move on to our next subject of the Wheel of Chingadera. On the Wheel of Chingadera. Oh, that was a short spin. Oh, <laughs> whoever thought we would talk about golf. But we're going to oh. talk about golf. The Masters, the uh, Super Bowl of golf tournament <laughs> exactly. is this week. Um, Tiger Woods. Is supposedly coming back. Yep. Coming back to the Masters. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? What do you think? Yeah, I think, well, he stated that as of now, he is coming back. And also stated that, like, he's not coming back to, like, just play rounds of golf. Like, he believes that he can win. Which means that he thinks his body is strong enough to hold up for those rounds. Um, because it's not a one-day thing, and we also know the strain that it takes on his body and what we see in the past when, when he's worn out. But the thing to me that was just, like, phenomenal, and I think you recognize, like, someone's when, – when you recognize when you are in the presence of a living legend, which is very rare, but Tiger Woods, in his practice round this week at the Masters, they estimated that there was 35,000 people following him on his practice <laughs> <laughs> he's just practicing right he's just practicing. yo 
I was in awe of that. Like the pictures of it, you know, if you haven't seen the pictures of it, like it looks like it's the final round of the Masters. It looks insane. And yet I don't blame one person for being out there. Like if I, it's actually probably one of the things I'm going to regret as a sports fan is to like never have seen Tiger Woods. And the thing about that is he was constantly at the Texas Open. And for whatever reason, it's probably because it was like scorching hot and I refused to be out there watching golf. But, uh, but I don't know where you're at with, with Tiger Woods, like the person, the athlete, and like whether or not that this is something that you think is worthy of those. So Tiger Woods coming back is, first of all, it's crazy that after that accident that he was in last year, that he can actually be at this point. They, <laughs> they, they thought he was going to lose his leg. Yeah. Like, on yeah. top of all the back problems that he was having before then, I'm sure his back is like extra crap. And that mm-hmm. being said, like, you know, my back problem, like, we have yep. the same back problem. We had the same surgery, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would, like, I would also, like, Tiger Woods can do this. You know, I can do this. Yeah. I mean, That's a good way to look at pro- it. We probably have different, you know, recovering stuff. You know, we got different <laughs> doctors. We're in a little bit of different tax bracket, right? I'm sure he has, <laughs> like, so many people. But I kept looking at it like, come on, Tiger. If you can go out there and win this with your back, I can go and do my thing, right? Here's what I'm going to say, though. I think for golf, needs to move on from Tiger Woods. Interesting. Okay. It just needs to, they need to, because Tiger is Tiger and he's everything to golf. Yeah. What are you going to do golf when there's absolutely no more Tiger? Yeah. Like I, I felt like golf was coming up without, mm-hmm. without Tiger this past year. You got guys like Brooks Keppa, you got DeChambeau, yep. right? These are yep. stars that, and I, and I don't follow golf like that. Right. But I know, a Kepka and I know DeChambeau, yeah. right? And so I felt like there's other stars being built, and then Tiger Woods just automatically says, Hey, maybe I'm gonna play, and then all of a sudden, bam, spotlight yeah. on those guys and forget everybody else. Like Phil yeah, Mickelson nah. is not in this tournament, mm-hmm. and there were plenty of players that didn't even realize that he wasn't in the tournament. They're like, What? He's not gonna play? Why? What's he doing? And no. Like nobody knows. Like ever since the whole Saudi Arabia thing with Mickelson, like nobody knows what's going on with him. Somebody might want to go out and check on Phil Mickelson, by the way, uh, sent out because nobody really knows why he's not at the Masters. But that, yeah. that that is just a perfect example of why I think it's time for golf to you need to move past Tiger Woods because what if if he doesn't if he does if if he comes out tomorrow. And says, I'm not gonna play. Then like what were yeah, all the like, other storylines? Story. Yeah, what are the yep. other stories that you're supposed to build up on? Right yeah. now, now it's nothing but both. Alright, let's move on. One more time. Let's spin this wheel and see where it lands it. The Rooney rule. We are at the Rooney rule. Rooney Rule. So, the NFL has decided to add to the Rooney Rule and say that the each NFL team needs to have a position on the offensive side of the ball for a minority or a female. Yeah. 
which which we know the argument is going to be this is NFL affirmative action. Yes, yes. So, what are your thoughts on the Rooney Rule? Them uh, and and what what the Seattle head coach said about said to the owners. Yeah, I think on the surface it definitely looks sounds and you know can easily be argued as NFL affirmative action. I think the I'll say this: you went and did that research and scoured the coaching staffs of all these teams, which is insane to me, but I know that that's your like football addiction. So um, we know that there's not enough representation, right? We started at the top of this with representation. We're talking about some new Supreme court justice that hopefully is sworn in very, very soon. I don't think that we're in a place where we are obviously reflecting the players with coaches. Right. And what we also know is that there was a Pete Carroll calling out NFL owners for not knowing enough personnel that do not look like that, which as the like a man in his a white man in his 70s, but again, in a progressive city and constantly been like a progressive person in football, whether that was in college at USC or in the pros, uh, particularly in his stint in Seattle, or I don't even say stint, he's been there forever. Um, he, he's calling it out, and, and that's what these coaches need. They need white allies to be able to call that out and call out the messed up system that is in the NFL. Where are you at with this? So, Pete Carroll is absolutely right. It's got to start all the way at the top, owners, and stop blaming it. Don't let, Don't put this pressure on the coaches. The pressure yeah, should be exactly on you. right. Exactly right. Where I want to spend this is at what point do Latinos get to be part of this conversation? At what point does the Rooney Rule include, Shout out to Ron Rivera. include us? Exactly. So you say I did some research. I did some research, right? And here's let me just spit out some numbers. In the NFL league office, in the NFL league office, not the teams, yeah, yeah, the NFL league office, sixty-seven and a half percent are white, eleven point four percent are African American, six point four percent are Latino, and ten point six percent are Asian. 6.4% 6.4% are Latino in the NFL league office. And that is an upgrade from last year. Okay. Ooh. Team CEOs. The CEOs of each team. Three minorities. One Asian, one black, one Hispanic. Out of the 32 teams. Team vice presidents. Team vice presidents. 86.3% white, 9.3% African American, and 2.5% Latinos. Senior administration for each team 79.6% white, 10.7% African American, 4.3% Latinos. General managers, I'm going to keep going. I got numbers. I got numbers. 
General <laughs> managers, 27 of them are white. Five of them are black. Let me do the math there. That leads to zero general managers that are Latino. Coaches. There are 27 coaches that are white. This is last year's. So I went on the on the site. These are last year's numbers. Okay, not the, not this upcoming season. Twenty seven white coaches, three black coaches, one Latino coach, assistant coaches that, that we're trying to trying to get the new Rooney rule in. Right? You, you don't gotta help them. You don't gotta help them. Yeah. Trying to find the number somewhere. So, so we already know. So the assistant coaches, fifty-seven point seven are are white. Fifty-seven point seven percent are white. Thirty-four point five percent are African American. Two point two percent are Latinos. At some point, when do we get to be part of this conversation? At some point. When do Latinos get to be represented in the NFL, in the offices, in the coaching staff, on the field? 0.7% of Latinos are in the NFL as players. When do we get to be represented in the NFL? I want to be part of this conversation. I want to be part of the Rooney rule. Absolutely. Representation matters. Absolutely. African Americans need to be part of this conversation. They are what? They are 58% of the league as players. And the fact that they're so underrepresented when there are so a big majority of the players on the field they need to be in this conversation. But I would like for our Latinos to be in this conversation. When do we get to be looked at and said, hey, maybe we need more Latinos in the front offices. Are yeah, we are I we think, not I the right gonna... minority? Is that what, like, is it just one minority? It's two minorities right now who I can see that they're being looked at. African American minority and the female. Yeah. Those are the minorities that they're worrying about. Latinos, it seems like we are getting left behind. Yeah, yeah, and and I can see that particularly we're talking about women because women aren't in the game, right? Like they're not on the field. So if you're trying to approach and get female coaches, then why are there not Latino coaches? Because I would could see the one argument is that well, there's not many Latino players in the game, so. That's the reason why, right? But we need to figure out what are the ways to get more representation. And I would say, you know, like constantly advocating for like black professionals and coaches and CEOs to be in that because those that is what is on the field. Right. And if that's what's going to be representing the, the league and that's the face of the league, then we got to have way more representation in the offices and making decisions when it comes to black professionals in the NFL. Here's what I would say to that. The, the conversation of, of this is what's on the field, so this is what we have over here in the coaching staff, 
is crap to me because to me that only goes to minorities, right? How many of these white coaches and these white assistant coaches played in the NFL? Mm. It, it seems to me that it's only need for a prerequisite for minorities to get into these coaching staff. Bill yeah. Belichick didn't play. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's the greatest of all time. He had to learn. And are we saying that these minorities can't learn the game of football? Females can learn the game of football and be on the coaching staff. You don't need to play the game in oh, order to be not. able to coach. You don't need to Absolutely. play the game in order to be in the front office. Even more so, yes. Right. We need representation, and I need my Latinos, primos, and primas to be part of that conversation. It is crap. Those numbers that I read out right now are just absolutely crap in representation of Latinos and Latinas in the NFL. Agreed, agreed. That all being said, let's that is the end of the Wheel of Chingadera. Which brings us to our last subject. Our last segment. Which may be my favorite segment. And this segment is the Tapao of the Week. The Tapao <laughs> of the Week, for those who don't speak Spanish, is pretty much the Dumbass of the Week. And Chris, we just had a meeting earlier today and I told you I was going to call out the New York Yankees. And the New York Yankees deserve to beat the bow of the week because they traded a player and the way that player found out was through social media. So they deserve to be the bow of the week. But I remembered as we were doing the show of who the real the bow of the week is. The real the bow of the week is the Grammys and Jimmy Allen. If you haven't heard, Chris, and I can tell by the look of your face, it doesn't look like you have. Jimmy Allen came up to the Grammys and he was going to give out an award. The award, let me pull it up here. The award that he was given out to was being won by the late, great Mr. Grito himself. Vicente Fernandez. Vicente Fernandez won this award. And I'm trying to look up the name of the award right now that he was going to win. But I can't see it anyway. It was for the album. album For his album, El Rey de la Musica Ranchera. All right? It sold over 65 million albums. He is a classic. Say that one more time for me, please. El Rey de la Musica Ranchera. Woo! You didn't think I had that in me. <laughs> You didn't think I had it in me. Anyway, so Jimmy Allen, who is a country singer, right, comes out and he says, and the Grammy goes to Vicente Fernandez. May he R.I.P. Vicente Fernandez. Then Allen said, oh, they're not here. So congratulations to Vicente Fernandez. I will accept this award for him. Apparently, he couldn't be here tonight. Jimmy, the great 
Vicente Fernandez passed away in December. So no, he couldn't be there tonight <laughs> to accept this award. If you want, you can wait if you want. <laughs> they should have made him. They should have made him stay there. Like, Just he's wait. coming. He's coming. He's gonna be like Doja Cat. Doja Cat who ran for the but he's in the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> so Jimmy Allen and the Grammys. I can't put this all on Jimmy Allen. The Grammys should have told him. Or how about have another Latino or Latina present this award? Who knew who the hell Vicente Fernandez is? Yeah, exactly right. So Jimmy Allen and the Grammys. Congratulations. <laughs> you are officially the battle of the week. <laughs> that is our show for the week. Episode two. A lot of things Episode we talked two. about. A lot of things. I appreciate everybody that listened to episode one. I hope you liked episode two. Subscribe, rate, comment. We'll get back to you. We'll let you know everything. If you have anything that you would like for us to cover, we'll be gladly uh, to do that for you. So once again, that's my primo Chris. I'm your primo Luis. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. Peace. Peace.